Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 594 with Carson Tate. If you have perchance experimented with a number of productivity systems and kept switching up or reorganizing or changing things, Carson brings some really great perspective on how and why some things are working better for you and, and what to do about it. So we're going to learn, one, how to pick the right system for your productivity style, two, the top tools for keeping your inbox under control, and three, how to work in harmony with opposing productivity styles. So if you want to take a look at the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we reference here, drop on by awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP594. Now here's Carson's story. Carson is the founder and managing partner of Working Simply. She's the author of Work Simply, Embracing the Power of Your Personal Productivity Style. Her views have been included in top-tier business media, including Bloomberg Business Week, Business Insider, CBS Money Watch, Fast Company, Forbes, Harvard Business Review Blog, The New York Times, USA Today, Working Mother, and more. Before starting Working Simply, Carson worked in human resources and sales functions with Fortune 200 firms. She holds a BA in psychology from Washington and Lee University, a master's in organizational development, and a coaching certificate from the McColl School of Business at Queen's University. Big thanks to Carson for sharing her wisdom with us. And big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. And big thanks to our sponsor, Acorns. Acorns makes it easy to start automatically saving and investing for your future. You don't need a lot of money or expertise to invest with Acorns. In fact, you can get started with just your spare change. Acorns recommends an expert-built portfolio that fits you and your money goals, then automatically invests your money for you. NerdWallet.com, whom I love on these sorts of matters, gives Acorns a whopping 4.7 stars and says, quote, if you want to make the most of your spare change, there's no better place to do that than Acorns. Head to acorns.com slash awesome or download the acorns app to start saving and investing for your future today and we got a legal disclaimer here it may not be representative of all clients to your own compensation provider compensation provides an incentive to positively promote acorns view important disclosures at acorns.com awesome investing involves risk including the loss of principal please consider your objectives risk tolerance and acorns as fees before investing acorns advisors llc acorns is an sec registered investment advisor brokerage services are provided to clients of acorns by acorn securities llc member at finra slash sipc for more information visit acorns.com now, here's Carson. Carson, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Thanks, Pete. I'm glad to be with you today. Well, I'm glad to be with you and, and to get into some of the, the mess that is our, our lives and productivity and such. But I understand you also love the mess of, of mud runs and and more. What's the story here? Yes. So a couple of my girlfriends and I got bored a few years ago with just regular road races and we decided to branch out and it is some of the most fun that we have and we are literally cleaning mud out of our ears for days afterwards and obstacles and you push yourself but it's great fun. Let's see I'm familiar with the the Tough Mudder. What are the other big names in, in mud running? So the Tough Mudder is the one that we've done. There's also in North Carolina a couple of just very small local races as well. Okay, cool. Well, that's some fun background. I want to get your view here. So you've done a lot of work about work, you know, researching people and productivity and, and, and kind of what makes us tick. What would you say is maybe the most surprising and fascinating discovery you've made about people and productivity from all of your explorations? 
we really want to be productive, you've got to align your tools and your strategies to how you think and process. So what often happens is people try a new app and it doesn't work for them. And then they think they're not capable of getting organized or there's something wrong with them. Mm -mm. No, it's just the tool doesn't work for you. So it's about aligning your tools to how you think and process and then really creating a custom toolkit. Okay. Well, so in your world, you, you defined uh, four different productivity styles. And I'd love it if you could, I don't, I don't know, call me a skeptic or, uh, or what the word is, but I'd love to hear a little bit about the underlying research in that, you know, I guess for like with the Enneagram, for example, I'm like, well, who says there's nine types? How do we know there's nine? Why are there not eight or 12? Why are there not 34 like the strength? So uh, can you lay it on as how do we come up with four? Absolutely. So First of all, my graduate research looked at cognitive thinking styles. So this is different than personality. This is literally how you think and process information. And so I looked at the research, neuroscience and research into how we think. And so the concept of left brain and right brain, it's not technically accurate, but that's easy classification. And then started digging into an instrument called the Herman Brain Dominance Inventory that looks at thinking style and realized that that's a great instrument. And there's a gap in that that instrument does not tell you how your thinking style informs how you work. And by how you work, I mean how you think about time, how you structure your day, whether you like to take notes or not, what your inbox looks like, and whether or not you like file folders. So using what I understood around our thinking styles, I developed first-tier assessment in grad school and then tested it out and realized that there really are four typologies or four different styles that broadly characterize these thinking styles. So one is prioritizer, analytical, linear, fact-based. These are the folks that like spreadsheets and data and details. Then planners, organized, sequential, detailed. These are the folks that have never met a checklist they didn't like. These are the project planners arrangers. These are your intuitive, kinesthetic, relational folks. They do their work with and through people. They like colorful pens. They're visual and then visualizers. These are your big picture strategic thinkers. They're the ones that are pushing the envelope. Why not? They don't like structure. They think in big, broad concepts. So first iteration, tested it, had to refine the typology, tested it again, and now we're on an iteration. This is our third iteration. We've had over two and a half million people take it and validating the results. Wait, what was the number again? Two and a half million. All right. Good work. <laughs> <laughs> so it's working. It's definitely working. And Pete, I think what is helpful about it, like any of these assessments, and I hear you on, you know, what's the science behind it? Fundamentally, it's just an awareness tool. So if you're my client, I'm coaching you, and I can help you see how your thinking is informing why you do not want to schedule your day in 15-minute increments in a way that would better help you optimize your time. That is what's going to lead to your productivity. So that, that awareness. So it's just an awareness tool. It's just access into how you think. Well, yeah, I, I would love it if you could sort of make that come alive for us here in terms of if you could maybe share a story of, hey, there's someone who was doing something that wasn't working for them, and then they made a discovery uh, about this, and then it, they saw some cool results from there. Yeah, absolutely. So I was working with a client, we'll call him Bill. Um, he worked in nonprofit sector, and Bill, very tech savvy. Bill had probably tried every app that's out there, every to-do app 
and he would stick to it for like a week or so, be so excited, and then the wheels would fall off, and he'd be crazy disorganized. He could never find an email. He'd taken plenty of email management classes. He was late on all of his projects. And so when I met with him, the first thing I realized is that he was a visualizer, really big picture thinker. So an app that was very linear and very designed for really discrete details it went counter to how he thought about things. He thought about things in terms of ideas. So this was how he was going to solve the waste management issue, like these big concepts. So what I asked him to do was try mind mapping software so he could anchor the central concept and then from it, pull out things that needed to happen around it. So making these really graphical charts he could see. Then the second thing we did is we removed every single folder that he had in his inbox because out of sight was out of mind. He'd get an email and then he'd file it away in the to-do folder, but he'd forget about it because he was visual. So he turned his inbox into a visual to-do list by changing the subject line of his email messages to his next action step so he could see them. They never went away. He could search them, see them. And then we reconfigured his calendar. So these like tight little, very structured meeting, meeting, meeting didn't work for him. So we started thinking about his work in terms of theme days. So Monday's theme for him was admin. So all of the internal work, the internal meetings, the one-on-ones, Tuesday he was out in the field. and He did some work out in the field inspecting job sites. Wednesday was back in the office. Thursday was another field day. So he could kind of group and organize things based on themes. So fits and starts. Three weeks later, I check in with him. And he's still in those early stages of trying to get it to work. But what had happened is that his manager noticed that he was arriving on time to meetings and that he'd actually turned in two things early and was so proud of him, super proud of him. Fast forward six months later, he's hitting all of his marks. He's up for a promotion, and he actually had started working on a book that he was talking about for his nonprofit that he had set up because he'd created the mental space and the time space to also start to pursue some of his personal passions because he'd gotten work dialed in. Well, yeah, there's, there's a lot in there. And it's funny because... I've heard about how grand mind mapping is <laughs> and and I haven't really had much cool results with it. Part of it's like my, my writing's hard to read and it gets kind of crunched. I could try the big piece of paper. And so, yeah, I haven't personally had a mind mapping session that knocked my socks off in terms of, wow, that's so cool. I'm glad I did that. And, and yet when, when you first mentioned the the prioritizer, I am I am in so all about finding sort of the 80-20 high leverage thing that does and I do have a spreadsheet that estimates the profit generated per hour invested of various business initiatives and then that gets me fired up like holy smokes that one is worth 10 times but that one's worth so as you lay this out it makes a lot of sense how hey mind mapping is game changing for some but but for me it hasn't been resonant. Right, because it's not quantifiable for you. So as a prioritizer, we need to quantify your efforts. So we either quantify it in terms of minutes, we quantify it in terms of dollars, quantify it in terms of emails processed in minutes, number of items checked off, how quickly you achieved an objective, how many minutes were shaved off of a meeting. So that is speaking your productivity language. But for Ben, 
he doesn't care. That doesn't motivate him. He doesn't care about that. It's more concepts, what's next, and how do we build a system for him? And he actually used a whiteboard. And then we, there's also a software called MindJet that you can do mind mapping on the computer. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, since you opened up that door, I can't resist. Let's, let's hear the tools because it, it can be tempting to play tools all day long, but if we could just have a couple minutes. So, so MindJet is cool for mind mapping and the visualizers. Uh, is there any other sort of software or tools you recommend for each of the other three? So I like Trello for planners and arrangers can use it a little bit. Evernote is great for arrangers and for visualizers because they have blank pages and prioritizers. I mean, you can use Todoist. You can use things. I mean, there are a host of them that are designed for prioritizers. Well, well it's funny. I, I think that I, I love OmniFocus and just a spreadsheet most often because <laughs> I could see those numbers. Right. I would say that you're definitely onto something that it really doesn't matter what the tool is as long as it works for you. So Excel, great tool for you, but it might not have the flash or the name recognition, but it works for you. So part of the push and the struggle on productivity is can you stand in the ground of, hey, you know what? I use a legal pad. Works for me. Right. Uh, understood. Okay, cool. Well, and then I guess I'm also thinking that um, I guess in some ways, different projects and different outputs that you're shooting for sort of seem to align more readily to, to different folks. I guess I kept thinking if, if, if I'm trying to say, hey, manufacturing plant manager, I need you to optimize our, our, our outputs and, uh, and shave off all the, the time associated with cranking out the widgets, going at it visualizer style, well, maybe it's just my bias as a prioritizer, <laughs> but it, it doesn't, doesn't quite seem like that's ideal, but maybe, you know, the all roads lead to Rome or something like there's, there's multiple paths that will end up doing the same thing. What, what's your take on that? All roads lead to Rome and each of these styles has a strength. So if we've got to optimize throughput on a manufacturing line, I'm going to strongly encourage that we have a prioritizer think about that. If we need to redesign the line, then I'm going to suggest we have a visualizer. Think about a new approach. And if it's about, do we have a team that's highly functioning on this line, I'm going to ask the arranger to do that work. Okay. Well, well and so then I suppose, tell us, how does one learn what their or style is? So we have the assessments on our website, workingsimply.com. You can go and take it on the website. Then we also have multiple articles on our blogs that talk about these styles and questions you can ask to help you determine your productivity style. Okay. Well, and so then can you tell us, once we are aware of, of our productivity style, I guess, what are some of the sort of top do's and don'ts that we should keep in mind, either things that are sort of universally applicable to all or the particulars in terms of, hey, prioritizers probably do this and don't do that. Yes. So universal, I have two universal across the board for all four styles. One is the concept, which I think, Pete, you are 100% in alignment with, which is time is a commodity. And so we talk about it with our coaching clients and our training clients that Time is a non-renewable resource. We all have the same 168 hours in a week. How do you choose to invest it? 
for your highest ROI. So that's a cross-the-board best practice. Can you make that paradigm shift to being as intentional and as thoughtful about your time spend as you are your money spend, which you've done with your spreadsheet? So you've quantified time. You know what an hour of your time is worth, and you make your decisions based on that. The second universal principle is around inboxes. And we believe that your inbox is the best personal assistant you've ever had. You mean your email inbox or? Your email inbox. Yes. And so to use all of the technology tools that are available in your platform to automate as much as possible of your email management. I didn't even know we were going to go here. Let's go there now. Oh, do you want to you dig into email? Let's, let's talk email. Let's talk inboxes. So there's the tools. I mean, hey, I, I love my email tools. I like Superhuman to fly through them. And I like SaneBox to filter, I guess, what are the other tools? And then what are the other just sort of approaches in, in terms of what, what you're doing in there, kind of regardless of the software you got? So regardless of the software, we suggest a process we call the email agility process. You read it. You decide what is it? Does it require action by you? If action is required by you, you do it. Not channeling Nike, just do it if you can do it under five minutes. Delegate it if you can. If you have the knowledge and the authority, don't have the knowledge and authority, you delegate it or you convert it to a task. So you can convert them to task in Gmail, Outlook, you can send it to Evernote, but you are making that decision around the action step because what we don't want to do is reread the email. And if no action is required, you delete it or you file it. And then the final step is to contain and think thoughtfully about how you want to store and retrieve your messages. Well, yeah. How, how, how do I arrive at that decision about the containing? The containing, yes. And this goes back, though, Pete, the containing piece is where it becomes really personal. So for you as a prioritizer, it's going to look different than my example, Ben, the visualizer. So he doesn't use folders. His containment method is everything lives in there. And he uses search functions. Works great for him. You probably have some folders, yeah, or nothing in your inbox. Depends on what day you catch me. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, search is the primary way I pull one up. Although I do have the labels and the archive. And uh, okay. And so then you say it's the the best personal assistant we have in, in the sense that it's kind of like bringing to our attention that which you know, we need to deal with or... Right. So I'll take Outlook, for example. So in Outlook, you can use a function called conditional formatting. It's very similar to labels in Gmail. And we can set it up so every time Pete emails me, that email comes in in bright red. So what I'm doing is I'm telling my assistant, flag Pete, turn him this color. And when you come in my inbox, I now have a visual prioritization. I read red first, then blue and then I'll deal with the black ones. So my assistant, I told my assistant what to do, and then my assistant does it over and over again with no input from me, saving me that step of getting in and prioritizing every time. And so it's thinking through, if you always file this email, well, write a rule. Don't do it. Have the technology do it for you. Another example we use with all of our clients A lot of the emails that we send, and I can imagine for you, a lot of these are, are the same thing. So here's the logon, here's the link, here's what you need to do as a guest on my show. You've written it. It's a template. Well, save it as a template in your 
email program so that you can just use it over and over again, just like you would a Word doc or an Excel doc. Like, so we want to eliminate rework and automate using the tools as much as possible. Okay, thank you. Well, so then when we've got the productivity style of your own self, and then you're interacting with others, how do you play that game? Because I, I imagine there are some people are, are, are pretty I guess, chill. Just, hey, man, however, however you want to do it, just, you know, get it done by this time, according to these principles. And others are, are going to be pretty precise. It's like, hey, I need you to do, <laughs> I'm thinking about podcast sponsorships now, is I need to do, do your air check and then your download reportings at this time and, in, and on this platform and this system. So, yeah, I, I imagine that can create either... Uh, harmony or irritation when these things come together? How, how do we navigate that? You're exactly right. So harmony when you're working with someone who has the same style as you or a similar style. So Pete, if I was a prioritizer and you and I are paired up on a project, we're, we end up speaking, quote, the same language. We're focused on the outcome. We want the data. We want to be quick. We want to be efficient. So it's very easy for us to work together. We're pretty aligned. We get it done. But if you were working with an arranger who's focused on the people and wants to get everyone's opinion about what the objective is, that's going to be pretty frustrating for you. Very frustrating. And for the arranger, they're going to be frustrated because you just want to get to work and they don't feel like they've built the team and aligned around the team. The planner, detailed, organized, who wants to put together your project plan, when they work with a visualizer, the visualizer doesn't like structure. They don't want a project plan. They don't want details. So that's going to create a pretty predictable clash. So when you work with someone like you, easy. When we talk about going cross quadrants, so prioritizer to arranger, that's the most significant difference, the biggest clash. Planner to visualizer, going that way, other very significant clash. And it's just going to be harder to work together. Oh, okay. And so, so acknowledging that that's going to be harder, what do you do about it? What do you do about it? So... First, you've got to communicate. So each of these four productivity styles has a central question they want answered. So you as a prioritizer, you want the what. What's the goal? What's the objective? What's the data? The planner, how? How have you done it before? How do you want to do it? How do we need to produce this deliverable? They're focused on the process, the how. The arranger is focused on the who. Who's on the team? Who's involved? Who are the stakeholders? And the visualizer is asking those big picture questions. Why not? Why are we thinking about this? Why does this matter? How does this connect to strategy? And so if I'm a planner working with a visualizer, I need to be thinking about and answering those why questions, talking about strategy, talking about big picture, creating opportunities for innovation. And vice versa, if the visualizer is working with a planner, they need to be comfortable talking about the how and the details and being willing to work through a sequential process with them. Okay. Yeah. Understood. And you also had a note associated with a master task list, an acronym, T-A-S-K. Uh, can you unpack this for us? Sure. So I'll give you the why behind it and then we'll unpack it. So the why is because our brains are a terrible to-do list, right? I mean, how often have you sat down at your desk? You're like, oh, I forgot to do this on the way into my office, right? But we all have this happen. So the master task list creates one central repository to capture all of your commitments, both personal and professional, in one place. So the T in task stands for think. And this is when we ask our clients basically to do a brain dump, get it all out of your head, everything you need to do. The second step is the A, is the action, because a lot of the stuff in our heads 
would be a project. So for example, clean out the garage. Well, you're not going to do that. That's a big project. So what we have to do is determine the next action step. Well, the first action step would be maybe to measure the wall. If you want to hang something on it, we had to measure to figure out how many hooks so that I can start to create some organization. And then the S is to sort. So once you've done your brain dump and you've determined next action steps, we have to create a list that's actually manageable and that you can get in and out of. So the sort is just a grouping or a classification of like items. So it might be podcast prep. It might be calls. It might be research. It could be a project name. But you group all of those action items under that category. And then the last one is you keep one and only one list. So we don't have a list in this app, a list you know, in your pocket, a list on your refrigerator. You've got just one master list. Okay. And as you mentioned, multiple lists in multiple places, I'm, I'm thinking about sort of the, the paper versus digital part of this all. How does that sync up to, do you find that some of the, the four styles prefer one versus the other? Or is it just sort of, so that's sort of a whole nother dimension. There are prioritizers who love paper and visualizers who love computers and it's also all over the place. It's all over the place. Absolutely. With an asterisk. So all over the place, we have folks in each category that like paper or tech. The asterisk would be the arrangers. They tend to be kinesthetic. So they have very nice writing utensils. You will see them touch and feel objects. They're very visual dashboards. They are more likely to use paper than the other four styles. Okay. Well, well tell us, Carson, anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things? Just excited. I've got a new book coming out October 6th called Own It, Love It, Make It Work, How to Turn Any Job into Your Dream Job. So it is the roadmap if you do not enjoy your job or you want to enjoy your job even more. This is the tool to help you get there. All right. Thank you. Well, now could you share with us a favorite quote so that you find inspiring? I'm going to say just do it. All right. And how about a favorite study or experiment or bit of research? My graduate research on cognitive thinking styles was my favorite research project I've ever done. Mm -hmm. And a favorite book? The Awakening by Kate Chopin. And I've mentioned a few of them, uh, but how about a favorite tool? Paper. All right. And with the paper, how specifically do you use it in a way that's great for you? Yes. So I actually have a paper to-do list. So I have a little notebook I've created and it lives with me everywhere I go. All right. And a favorite habit? Early morning meditation. Mm -hmm. And is there a particular nugget you share that really seems to connect and resonate with folks and they quote it back to you frequently? There's no one size fits all approach to productivity. You must personalize it based on how you think and process information. Okay. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? Workingsimply.com or on LinkedIn, Carson Tate. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks looking to be awesome at their jobs? Yes. Figure out how you think and process information and then align your productivity tools to support you. All right. Well, Carson, this has been a treat. I wish you lots of luck and fun and your productive adventures. Thank you, Pete. I appreciate it. Thanks. I really appreciate how Carson brought a research-based framework to the question of what system might work best for you based on determining your productivity style, because I have played with a lot <laughs> of systems 
And, you know, sometimes I think, oh, what's wrong with me? I can't get with the program. Oh, but I like how Carson reframes that to, well, hey, this is kind of how your brain tends to work. So therefore, pick tools that are going to work with it instead of fighting it and thinking, oh, I really need to get back on the wagon. I'm doing it wrong. I've been inconsistent. Wah. And I think that also is handy in terms of understanding. If I say, look, I found this thing. It works amazingly. Do it. It's like, well, I'm not really into it. It's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> or vice versa, if you've been on the receiving end. A little more understanding and, and flexibility so you can get just the right stuff that works for you. I think that is a, a good, healthy perspective on this productivity game. So again, those show notes, transcripts, and links to items we've referenced are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep594. That's EP594. If you haven't already, I recommend you push subscribe. You got Adam Markell, our next guest. He's got some pro tips on preventing burnout. Hope to catch you there. And peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers, subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.